0: Hey, this is Rick the Jeff Rufus. You're listening to Straight Hustling.
1: All right, welcome back to the Straight Hustling Podcast. We got an exciting guest today. We got Rick the Jet Rufus. What? Major uh, kickboxing champion. He's had kickboxing champions, I think, in every organization that there ever was. Watched him a lot growing up. So it's going to be a good show. It's a nice day out. We're going to talk to him and then uh, take a break and go out and get on our bikes and go riding around. So, you guys ready to talk to Rick? Can he fight? Can this guy fight?
2: Is he a fighter, huh?
1: Well, uh, we'll
3: let you figure that one
1: out. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I, I really don't
2: think you're a fighter if you've only if you've held a championship in every single kickboxing thing in the planet. You know, you're not a fighter. Yeah, then what? he even
1: went to boxing and won a championship yeah. in boxing, man. It this guy ridiculous. right here is amazing. I can't wait to hear his story. He is awesome. One of the uh, Rufus brothers. You got him and Duke Rufus. So man, I'm growing Duke. up with those two in the house. Yeah, yeah dude, we're gonna have to talk to Duke too. Yeah, Duke. let's see if we can get Duke on here. So, uh, stand by. We're going to get Rick on the phone, talk about his career. Hello. Rick. Hey, how you doing, man? This is Dick Darren with Straight Hustle Podcast.
0: Hey, what's up, buddy? How are
1: you? Oh, man, I'm doing great, man. I got a buddy of mine, Mike, and also Stu on the phone. Hey, what's happening, cool. Rick? We just put a boss rooting out the other day.
0: Cool. Good for you guys.
1: And now we got Rick the Jet Rufus, man. How cool is that?
0: Oh, well, thank you. I'm excited.
1: Oh, man. I know we're definitely excited, man. I grew up, uh, you know, watching you and... And uh, I thought you were like the the original real Rocky, man. You come in there with your red, white, and blue trunks on, and, man, it was always just a hell of a fight, man. I really enjoyed it. Well, thank you.
2: I don't think I ever saw you lose a fight, if, I, if I'm correct. Did you ever even lose?
0: No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've, uh, I've had some loss along the way. I ended up being uh, in my uh, stand-up tie boxing, and kickboxing, uh, what, 65-9-2? and <laughs> <laughs> that's insane
2: man insane
0: forty five uh knockouts i believe forty six fought the best of the best I never believed in fighting ducks um i fought Ernesto Hoos twice um cameman twice labanner filio um all of them, so. yeah
1: i remember that le labanner fight man that was that was um, ridiculous yeah uh,
0: actually uh, Vanessa Hoos and I, uh, for the last year, not this November, November before, they flew us to Marseille, France, where we were, I used to fight there quite a bit. And they brought us over, and, uh, we were honored, uh, the greatest American kickboxer, or the greatest kickboxers of all time. And it was unbelievable, because in France, when I used to fight there, you know, you had that one turning point fight in your career that turned your life around in your career well mine came in 1991 when i fought rob king the first time i got that call three weeks notice and that fight there just took my career to another level and after that i became in france what mike tyson was here in the us oh yeah um I couldn't even walk the streets. I was just in awe and shocked how many people recognized me wherever I went. I mean, we'd be on the Champs-Élysées, anywhere in Paris, Marseille. I mean, people recognized me. And, uh, when they brought me over, I had the, uh, they paid me in, uh, what is their money over there? Euro dollar or whatever. Euro. So I, uh, I went to, uh, they, they said just go to the exchange store and, and it would equal what we agreed. I'm like, okay, no problem. So I went walking. I was down in Marseille right on the port. And God, yeah. I just, I could not believe people coming up, wanting pictures, autographs. And, and before I know it, I had a whole circle of people putting pens and paper in my face. And I was like, oh my God. And, uh, you know, it was, I fought a lot in France and it was, there were a lot of great, great fights there, great memories. I used to fight on Candle Foose there all the time.
1: And I still want to an autograph in the picture now, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I used to love watching I I just remember when you weren't fighting and, and, uh, they'd have the guys commentating and they'd talk about you and you'd say a few things. And I was like, oh man, there he is, the jet, man. That was just awesome. I really enjoyed, uh, growing up watching you compete and stuff.
0: I've been doing this since I was four, so uh, you know when they say original, true karate kid. I I started in the martial arts and uh, got a black belt in Taekwondo um, and in Kempo. I fought all the Mini Pee Wee, Pee Wee Junior National Men's or National Point Karate Tournament, and then um, I went on to the Men's Black Belt Tour in. You know, the point karate during my era was incredible because they were the greatest fighters. What people don't realize is that all those years of doing that point karate helped my career tremendously. I credit all of that my success. And what was so neat was there were different rules all over the country. Um, So you had to learn how to adapt, just like when you're a fighter nowadays. You may have a guy that's a leg kicker, a middle kicker, a clincher, a kneeer, uh, a boxer, uh, a, a brawler. It's just, you, you have to learn how to adapt. And, um, if I wouldn't have had that opportunity, I don't think I would have got the luxury of, of, of where I am today because that helped my career and catapulted me tremendously. You know, somebody had put up a video the other night. On my Facebook, I fight in 1986 when I thought, uh, Rich Leapin Lopez and somebody had made a point. Look how he steps in and jams the kick, right? What is that from? Point karate. And also along the way, I got the, the, the honor to work with, you know, a lot of great trainers. I became a sponge. Um my martial arts, all the kicks that I did, I didn't change myself. That's what made me who I am the change-up kick, the axe kick, the spinning kicks, the spinning backrest. That's all martial art. Mm -hmm. And uh, even when I went into the Muay Thai, the the leg-kicking aspect, I didn't change. I didn't want to become that better. I learned that, but that, you know, Muay Thai and MMA is now becoming obsolete. It is now becoming, you know, the game's evolving, and that style is just slow and methodical. It is now becoming a faster game. You know, it's almost on, on that of, of a good K-1 fight along with the jiu-jitsu and the ground the And even in boxing, you know, a lot of people don't know I had a, a career in boxing. I won the WEC Continental America stuff. I had 20 fights. I was ranked in the top 10. Um, Sugar Ray Leonard was my co-manager.
1: Oh, man.
0: Um, Sugar Ray Leonard's first trainer, Pepper Carrera, my trainer. And I got to work also in boxing with some great trainers.
2: And what's you signed to fight Tyson?
0: Well, uh, let me get to that in a minute. Uh, I got to work with Felix Pintor, Luis Camacho, uh a lot of famous trainers. Everyone's got their style. But so I, I was like a sponge. I learned and learned and, and I tell people if you ever get the chance to go to seminars or you get to train with people, be a sponge, soak it up and and and, and use it. And uh and then I went uh I got courted after boxing which I should have stayed in but twenty twenty hindsight. Um Ishii when I lived in Atlanta courted me back to come back and that's when I went back uh to fight for Rome. Um I got to work with, you know, great turners in there. I got uh Saxon Jungiro who I won K one ninety eight with. He was phenomenal. Awesome trainer. Manu Ento, who I used when I went to fight Stand the Man on Jamada. Manu is awesome bringer he uh they found one weakness you know and I talked to Francisco after fighting the same by Maurice um uh, when I had fought Francisco he was throwing an inside leg kick to my knee and uh I wasn't bro- blocking properly and they turned the new turned that weakness into a strength when I fought Stan as soon as that fight started Stan went right to that, uh, leg, turned that knee down, cut that off, and it was a long night for Stan. But, you know, and at that time, Stan was still probably one of the top five, five greatest fighters in the game. And I ended up beating him. And, uh, and that ended up being a war. So, um, you know, and I got to work, you know, my brother's a great trainer too. I mean, I got to work with him and, uh, He's very knowledgeable and, and very insightful and, and he's got, uh, very good game plan. And as far as the Tyson thing, what had happened is, uh, contracts were signed done, uh, but Mike didn't want to get kicked. He, uh, he just, he said no way, um, that he was going to get kicked. So.
1: Yeah. I don't blame him. Take one of them axe keys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think I want to get kicked by you either, brother. <laughs> I,
0: he, he just didn't want to, he didn't want to even get kicked. Uh, in the legs. So, you know, he, he, uh, I was watching the glory preview and he was doing it. And, uh, the guy said, Well, it's crazy what you do. And Mike's like, You're crazy. What you do is get kneed, kicked, and all that. And he goes, Yeah, that's a lot harder than what I ever did. So there's pros and cons. So I used to, Maurice and I were friends, and I used to always go, You know, MMAs, you know, because you're taking all the disciplines and putting them one, I thought was always harder than tie boxing and he he always ran and braved how MMA was so much easier than uh the tie boxing and kickboxing. Wow. So I guess everyone has their own opinion.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about them leg kicks, man. Was that tough uh when you're switching those different organizations and you hit them rules where they got the leg kicks, was that tough to transition on that your first time?
0: Well absolutely. Um I went coming out American kickboxing boxing and you're in a side stands, You know, I absorbed some losses in the beginning because I had a hard time going with the switching. But then one day, you know, it clicked in, and, you know, I had asked myself, I'm the man, I'll tell you, there were some days I felt like crying. Those lay kicks are no joke, and you know, especially when you get kicked guys, uh, by guys like LeBanner. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, the average Joe walks at the coffee table, they bump their shin like, Oh! Yeah, oh! <laughs> you know, I mean. Five. And in the beginning, there was some, you know, second so guessing. What the hell are you doing? Why are you doing this? And I mean, I would go home, uh, I started with a guy who was living in Atlanta that, um uh, I would kick a, a tire that he had on the ring. Uh, no tread, just a hard tire every day, 50 to 100 kicks a day. Um, kicking hard type pads and my shins were just oh god. Um when you start second guessing in the beginning, boy, it's like, Do I really want to do this? <laughs> so yeah. Me- mental toughness kicked in and uh overcame and, you know, I stuck with it and you know, I'm a fighter. I'm not, I I'll never give up. You have to kill me before you get down there. What was it
1: like uh when you're when you've started out and you get your first title shot, man, what was going through your mind then? How's that for you? That was
0: nineteen eighty seven, uh, against John Munkaio. I had won the US title uh, previously earlier, but um uh, nineteen eighty seven when I when I fought Munkaio in Atlanta, uh knocked him out cold, that was at twenty years old April of nineteen eighty seven. Uh, that was you know, Mikaio was no joke. He was he had been the ring with everyone and uh knocked him out here with a left hook over a kick and again that was a point karate move and it was it was incredible. And you know, I always set the bar high for myself and I always didn't give a hundred I gave a hundred and ten percent.
1: Yeah, you're definitely the man. Well,
0: Thank uh- you. <laughs> and I'll share a little insight. Um we had talked to Bellator, and uh we're waiting here um about fighting Kimbo.
1: Oh man, that's incredible, man!
2: You're gonna fight? That yeah.
1: You're gonna fight Kimbo? He said. Oh, Possibly. They're working on it.
2: Kimbo Slice.
0: Oh my God, that um, will be a war
2: right there, brother. It'll be a,
0: it'd be a it'd be a war for him. <laughs> <over there>.
2: so, <laughs> I know. That. You're still okay, kicking ass Kimbo, after all these years. That's awesome.
0: Kimbo, in one night, would get a kickboxing boxing lesson free of charge. Yes, at this point in my career, I'm telling you that. Would definitely define who I am and what I am, and I will go out there and I will break his leg.
1: Well, man, let me know if we can sponsor you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we yeah. want we want our name yeah. on your shorts. Man. I definitely want
1: to be there. That would be incredible, man. Yeah. I'd love to see Hell it. Hell yeah!
0: You, you guys, you guys sponsor fighters.
1: I'm kind of interested in it, you know. So, and if it yeah. was going to be you and Kimbo, man, I definitely would love to entertain that. Yeah, man.
0: I think uh, I think you're talking about on Spike. but, but um, my agent managers are. Uh, He's on it and I asked him if he was like to mention he can just say, yeah, we're, we're talking to him and, and we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, I would love to fight Kimball. I, I, I don't think he's a fighter. I, uh, I've never respected him and I mean, he's not in the same realm as any of the other fighters that are out there that he, he came from the street. He's a, a street brawler
3: right. and.
0: You know, in boxing, they went out in the grave and they dig up dead bodies and put them in there and let them play <laughs> crackheads.
1: I know. Uh, I know Kimbo when he first started out in MMA. He worked a little bit with Boss Rootin, and we had Boss Rootin on the show the other day, and uh, we told him that you were coming on, and he said to make sure we told you
0: that he loved you, man. I love Boss Rootin. He's a he's a great guy, and he uh he <laughs> he goes, you know. You may have beat all my other Dutch comrades, but you never beat me.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. He is an ambassador for the sport, you know, and I mean, we
0: yeah, he he's a great guy. He's funny. He's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. He's just, he's, a, he's awesome. Yeah. He's got... uh, Boss is, he's just, he's one of a kind. I'll tell you, he's a great guy. he yeah, got a lot of charisma. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, I know you made that, Uh, you started that crossover in the MMA a few years ago, and... uh. Did you first, who was the first Well, driver?
0: I think what happened was that I, I, jumped at it. I saw an opportunity. I didn't take the time like I should have and, and really, uh, learn it. Now as the years have passed and I, uh, have, uh, gotten the chance, I think being around it now, cause I, I was at the lab many, many years, MMA lab, Ben Henderson's gym. When you see it, and you're around it. Now I, I didn't take the time to understand it. If, I, if if you can understand what I'm saying. Now I see things and now I know how I would react or what I would do. And I mean, it was just, it was so foreign to me. Um, I think personally, it's much easier for a guy that already knows that game, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, to, to convert to stand up. I mean, than taking a guy like myself. I mean, it's a, quite a different transition.
1: Yeah, that whole grappling's a lot, lot different to kind of get the grasp of that yeah. and slowly we'll it
2: slow it, it down. Yeah, right, and especially you know when you're long limbed, like you're, you're long limbed, and I am too. And I've had a wrestler grab a hold of me, and when that, gra- you know, it, it, when you're long limbed like we are, it's, it's hard to freaking wrap somebody up when, when they can do it when they're short. You know, i mean? It's shorter. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a weird thing about the, the wrestling. I, I, I never could adapt to it myself in high school.
1: Yeah. So you're ready to get back in there. So you've done a little everything. So is this one your Kimbo? Would that be a what kind of rules would that be? Would that be a strictly an MMA fight? But
0: he just signed with Bellator.
1: Oh, okay. So it'd be a Bellator, yeah.
0: And it's Spike Television. You know, I'm uh I've been doing this since I was four years old. So right now, I'm you know I would love that opportunity to finish out my career and maybe try to win a title at 205, and and then move on with life. And then I would have I can really be the only guy to win a title in American kickboxing, <laughs> the, the OPK, tie boxing, boxing, and MMA. Who's done that? Nobody. You so got that right. Uh, I would, uh, one thing I'm working on right now is I'm doing seminars all over the world. I'm putting it out there. I'm working on that. And I'm also working on, um, with a good friend of mine, we're putting together a curriculum, and I'm going to start doing uh, world champion Rick Rufus affiliate. What's
1: that, what's that to kind of entail?
0: That's where I take my system and put in your gym.
1: Oh, well, cool, cool.
0: You know, like Dwayne Ludwig's doing it, my brother's doing it, Bill Wallace is doing it. I mean, there's, there's numerous people that are doing it. And what I have is I have the martial arts community behind me because I started martial arts. See, the UFC just basically killed everything. It, it, it killed Thai boxing, kickboxing, wrestling, everything in America, um, uh, because it's now a household name. Yeah. I'll go even as far as it's killing the uh the business aspect. And a lot of uh martial artists uh for instance once at the lab would come learn our techniques, my techniques, and then go over in the jujitsu class, learn John Crouch. He is Black Belt or or he was the owner of Black Belt, learned his technique and then they take it and they go teach the stuff in their gym to stay up and afloat so they can compete
1: with these gym. So when you talk about the lab, Jim, is that is that in Arizona? Yes.
0: And I'm not the lab anymore. Um but I'm saying I'm using it as an example. Sure. So why not take my system, put it in your gym where I will provide your curriculum? And it'll be like the old Taekwondo, you know, uh, white through black, and you're gonna have to learn techniques and 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 do different routines, and it it'll be self-explanatory.
1: Yeah, that'd be awesome. I hope that uh, grows and everything, man. Who else to better learn <laughs> yeah. from?
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. To say that you learn karate from Rick Rufus would be an honor. You know what I mean? Really, I would think. Yes,
0: yeah, thanks. The Wayne Bang Bang Mudwig is doing it. I mean, he's already, I think. I don't know, I don't think he's has two years. He's got, like, 60 chins. Wow. I'm less than two years. Uh, my brother, he's got, you know, like 25. So Dwayne Ludwig is a huge fan of mine. So, you know, you, you never know what can happen.
1: Yeah, talking about your brother Duke, how was that growing up together and both of y'all kind of fighting and things like that? Did you ever mess around outside playing, joking around and breaking each other's fingers or anything or anything like that?
0: No, it really. I was an animal when I was growing up. I, I loved the spire. I, uh, I would literally go and try to hurt people. um it, that's, the sickness came up because I loved it so much. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and Duke got a, a lot of that front and, uh, but, um uh, you know, Duke had a successful career and then he moved on to the other arena. Um you know, he's doing really well. He, yeah. He's, uh you know, he's got, you know, Anthony Pettis, yeah. who I think's the real deal. You know, he he, he definitely has got himself a gym there, and and he's doing really well uh, for himself in this business.
1: Yeah, he's definitely respected throughout the, the realm of the MMA, MMA also. I, I think, that's, like, he's training CM Punk now. Isn't he there too also? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: So what do you think about the wrestlers and stuff making the transition over? You had, like, Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar, and now you got CM Punk.
0: Well, like I said earlier, I think they already have a head up on the game because, you know, a good wrestler with Jiu-Jitsu guy is pretty much uh, their game. It's hard to, if somebody's a good wrestler, it's pretty hard for a Jiu-Jitsu guys to, to get them. You know, I mean, now that these guys are making transition and crossover, um, you know, all you have to do is teach them really the basics and, you know, they get you their ground. That's their world.
1: Do you ever make any guest appearances at your brother's gym?
0: I haven't a lot. Um, when I was married, my ex was from Milwaukee. We used to go uh, up to uh, up the Dallas area. Uh, they oh, yeah. used to own a, uh, uh, a lake home up there, and we'd all get together and hang out there for a week, go boating, uh, tubing with the kids and everything. So... Oh, and then my, I have a daughter that just got married. She's point six. Uh, we were just up there last year and I was busy with that. Uh, she had gotten married out in, uh, on Pewaukee, uh, on the golf course and, uh, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun.
1: You miss any of the winners up there in Wisconsin?
0: Hell no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now you're in Arizona. There's not much snow there, if, is there?
0: <laughs> if, if you, uh, ask me, Rick, Here's your choice. Die in the hot or cold, I'm gonna take the hot. <laughs> I uh do not like cold. I just it gets brutally cold there. I just I don't miss cold. I just grew up that my whole life and uh, you know, it just I don't like it. Yeah. Not a fan of the cold at all.
1: Yeah, I grew up in that area up there and went to I've been to Wisconsin Dales a few times. It's a nice area, but I'm down in Nashville now and it's a lot warmer. We still get a little cool. But uh, it's a lot better than having six feet of snow and things like that all the time.
0: You uh, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't miss shoveling either. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, they got the snow blowers now; That'll make it a little easier. Yeah. What about uh man? You're in. You're still in like phenomenal shape, and you're getting ready to fight and everything. How do you keep? What kind of diet and stuff do you uh, you know, do you have like a strict diet and a uh, strict routine? No, I mean, I
0: when I'm training, I do, but when I'm out, i diet, I've been doing this my whole life. I know what it's going to take to get from A to Z. So, um, you know, I enjoy life, you know. Um, you know, my, my son is in baseball. I take him three times a week. My daughter's in soccer. I take him to school every day, pick him up. Um, so, you know, um, when it comes time to fight, you make some adjustments and you take your 12 weeks or whatever and do mm-hmm. your two days, three days and get back in the run.
1: Do you have anybody like,
0: running? You get knocked off the horse, you just get back
1: on. <laughs> you don't get knocked off too much. No. <laughs> but, you know, it sounds like you definitely learned from the times that you did and those experiences, and you learned from it and, and uh, made some yeah. adjustments.
0: Yeah. I just think, uh, you know, it, it's unfortunate as you get older, it's it's pretty uh, bad that, uh, you know, like legends like myself, Ernesto, Peter Hartz, all these guys. The sport of top boxing, kickboxing has turned their back on all of us. You know, now they have to keep up with, uh, the UFC. So they've released all the old fighters. Guys over 30, they won't have nothing to do with anymore. They, uh, they started like glory last night. You know, I mean, nobody knows those fighters and they, they now started their own, uh, thing and, uh, you know, God bless them, but, you know, they don't want them nothing to do with any of the old fighters whatsoever. You got Glory, uh, which is the main one. You got, uh, Global Fighting Championships, which is another one that's Bada Hari's, uh, promoter in Dubai. But Who's just came back in October. There's a new one, K Energy in Japan, that promoted them. You know, they're trying, they have a lot of the old fighters, like Peter, SO, Stefan, uh, and a few other guys fighting over there, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Ernesto said he wants to do a third fight, so I'd love that. <laughs>
1: yeah, that'd be cool.
0: He wants to break the tie, so, cause we're one on one. Ernesto's a cool, cool, cool guy. I, I, uh, I had, uh, they picked us up at the, uh, hotel to take us to the event, and, uh, uh, he is, uh, he's really a, a great guy, and he's funny as hell, too, so.
2: Awesome. Hey, well what what are you thinking about this uh bare knuckle fighting they got going on now that uh Kim Shamrock's well, they called
0: me about that too. Uh I don't know. There's there's not enough money in that at this time. I mean their 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 feeling is is that they uh can overtake the UFC, but I don't know how they're gonna be able to do that because, you know, UFC went off the year uh air years ago because it was too barbaric. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's um,
2: what I was wondering is how who is gonna regularly sanction them fights, you know what I mean? I I know they won't really have them, and have them here in Nashville, I know yeah,
0: that. Yeah, as a matter of fact I read in Tennessee they're doing away with Thai boxing, kickboxing and MMA because they can't afford it. Oh wow. Oh, yeah. The the governor, they aren't sanctioned there anymore. They can't they're they're uh they're cutting a budget, I believe. It, I saw that this week or the week before, but you know, it unless they modify the rules, there's no way that they're going to get a boxing commission to license that. They just won't. Yeah.
1: Hey, do you have anybody out that uh did you uh, that, that you fought over the years that you know you like you said Ernesto, you guys really got along good and everything. Is there anybody that you fought over the years that you kind of really didn't like each other and you still fought?
0: Hmm. Because
1: it sounds like you're a likable guy. Um.
0: I don't know. McDonald and I didn't care for each other. Uh, I knocked him out pretty bad in K1. Um, PK in 93, cold, right through the ropes. Yes, yeah, the one I, yeah, I was um, talking to
2: him about that. I was telling
0: him about no that. What no one fight. knows is this. When I fought him in 2002 in the K1 tournament, I fought Kurt Hasley first fight. He's from out there by you guys. Uh, he's from Tennessee. Uh, big, big guy, 6'5, sixty five he looked like a middle linebacker. An old Jack Lambert or something.
1: Jeez. Uh
0: I beat I had beat him and then uh I had fought Dewey. Second round of the fight, you know on the slicks uh that they're on the ring I slipped. Well I tore my ACL completely. But didn't know at that time. So I I, I uh, thought it just popped or something. I don't know. I never had a feeling like this. I uh, got up. I tried to throw a gift again. Well, I had no stability. I said, I'm not throwing another kick because I threw that kick and fell again. I was like, what the hell? So I beat Dewey with the torn ACL. I go back. McDonald wins his fight. It's Rufus McDonald in the championship. Well, all I could do was punched. That's it. I couldn't do anything off the legs, or if I could kick, it would be the leg that was torn because the other leg had no stability. So at the end of the uh, scores, they deliberated. It must have been 10 minutes. Well, at that time, uh, my knee swelled up tremendously because the adrenaline wore off and fight stopped and were waiting in the ring. Well, here they come to score. I was only half on the head. At that time in k one, you had to be a full point ahead, and the doctor called it, so McDonald's going around saying he did this to my knee, that knee, and blah blah blah. He didn't do a damn thing he didn't <laughs> nobody knows I tore my a c l completely. I had to have reconstruction, probably one of the toughest and hardest injuries to come back from. I came back a year almost a date and fought my next year's k one so that's that's that's, that's a lot.
2: To, that's amazing in itself, right there. To freaking you know yeah. have a have a complete reconstructive surgery on your knee and and be able to kick like you kick, you know, a year later. Come on, I mean, I, I got guys that can't even hardly walk right now still when they're at reconstructive leg.
0: Yeah, yeah, true. And my, and injury like that, the NFL, you're done. No, it's hard to come back in the NFL on that.
1: So how's that when you go pick your uh, pick your children up and take them to these sporting events to like are people looking at you and. Uh, you know, I
0: I I carry a big strip of speech softly. I never bring up what I do or who I am and I mean I think MMA changed, as I said earlier in the conversation, the whole face and you know, my time was a lot before the MMA came along and uh you know, I have some people and and if they say I I I mean I helped my son uh the last couple of years obviously assistant coach and, uh, helped his team and, uh, uh, you know, I'd sit down for space and, uh, shoot the place on them, the signals and the team. So, you know, there's, there's, I've, I've, I've had great success, but I mean, there's more to life, I mean, than, than this. And I, I enjoy helping my kids and being a
2: part of their lives. So.
3: Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, on your, uh, the stuff you're putting into the James, your brand. Uh, how many different disciplines are you going to be working into the regimen for the gyms
0: uh, that come on board with you? I won't. I won't change who I am. Martial arts is, you know, uh, where I started. And all the kicks that you see that I've thrown in all my fights are because of martial arts. All we'll be doing is keeping the Rick Rupus, not changing it. You know, I mean, from offense, defense, to blocking, checking, you know, knee, spinning, jumping, turning, you know, just all that stuff. So I won't, I won't change who I am at all. I'm going to take everything to put it into one. I may touch a little bit on the, uh, bluey tie, but you know, I took a, a lot of that, but that's, that's not who I was. You know, I mean, I was known to be a, a, a very different fighter. I was, I was, you know, a dangerous fighter, a hard fighter, nobody could figure me out when I was going to come, how I was going to come, or when I was going to hit you, how I was going to hit you, and I kept everyone off out, and that's the name of the game. Yeah. Well, you know, when
3: you can knock them out with your fist and then take their head off with your leg, it's kind of hard to say. It's like, damn, which way do I block? As if you block for the punch... All of a sudden, breaking yep. the kneecap.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're not, you know, by any means, no one's ever called you a one-dimensional fighter. I can guarantee you that.
0: So when you when you came to fight me, you didn't know how to prepare, yep. and you better pack the lunch.
1: <laughs> Is there any younger fighters out there that you really like to watch now? that are exciting for you
0: to watch. You know, um, I just had this conversation earlier today with Gary Lee from the Martial Arts Hall of Fame, and uh, you know, I. I can't really say because as I said, UFC has changed the entire generation. I mean, I guess probably, uh, the, the most exciting guy that I've watched would be Anthony Pettis. And I, I gotta say that as much as he brings to the table be that was at the Connor McGregor, he's pretty excited by that. <laughs> he brings a lot, uh, to the ring or uh, to the cage and he's, uh, he, I believe, will beat Aldo.
1: Oh, right, yeah.
0: I, you know, he's almost like a point fighter from back in my era. It's, you know, Aldo will have a hard time to hit him because McGregor doesn't stay in one place. And you need somebody for Aldo to kick to stay in place. If you're not in the same place, that throws off your whole fight and your game plan. And it's, he's going to beat Aldo, I believe. And then watch. You know, McGregor said he he would even move up by Pettis. That could even be more of an excited fight. Yeah,
2: that, that would be that would be one to watch right there. I mean that would be insane. Yeah, Yeah. But I
0: I, I think uh McGregor has taken the world by storm and uh he is uh he's a real deal. I think he's uh he's made believers out of everyone. I mean that last fight I just watched him he, you work that guy like hamburger beef. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because he'll come on and he'll, uh, you know, he likes to, he's pretty vocal and likes to talk a lot of trash and stuff, but he's backing it up. Yeah,
0: he is, uh, he is very vocal. I mean, he, you know, I'm not, I can't say, you know, I mean, there are no fighters out there besides, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not a fan of the, the John Jones or, you know, I just, I don't, I'm don't, i not disrespecting They're just, I'm not, I'm not a fan of any of those guys. They just you know if you had a guy that could actually have the skills on a level of what I am with with the jujitsu um and wrestling, maybe it might change the outcome um of my thinking. um I'd like to see somebody that could kick and punch punch and kick how he would do it. I mean, maybe it's untapped. I don't know.
2: Yeah. I mean that's like if Hoyce Gracie knew how to friggin' punch, he would uh he he would have been uh 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 you know unstoppable. You know, he just you know yeah, he would get you to he would get you to the ground and it was over. But you know, if you kept him up off his freaking uh back, you know, you had a chance. But he you know, if he learned to punch, he would have been unbeatable.
0: Yeah, yeah. I had actually uh I think he had fought the same guy. I fought Donald. I Donald. That guy that's seven <laughs> foot uh five hundred pounds. And, uh, I think Hoists had that guy. God only knows. I, all I, I thought I saw a clip of Aki Bono laying on Hoist was under him. He couldn't even see him. And he committed yeah. the did how he did that. God only knows. Yeah, I've God I've seen him. that
2: myself. That, yeah, it's, it's one of the most memorable MMA moments there is, is when, is when he is um, like, being surrounded by that giant and he's freaking uh, getting his one ass. One
0: thing away. that was always hard is that when you're, doing that uh MMA and uh, a guy is on you and it feels like a brick shithouse and you're like, you just want to throw him, get the hell off
3: me.
0: <laughs> I mean, it, it it just feels like a ton of bricks has collapsed on you. I just, that feeling just doesn't feel very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but That's where at that moment you're wishing a referee would just come over and say, stand up, please. Let me get back to kickboxing.
1: That's, that's one thing about the USC, though. Some of the fights, you know, they start to drag with the more of the wrestler style that can really hold somebody and dominate somebody. And I I kind of, you know, you got that balance. I wish they would kind of be a little better at standing people up. And I know you got different referees too, but sometimes they'll start dragging. And, you know. Um,
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I, you know, I think, um, they're trying to, you know, if they're, they're, delaying or the fight is boring, they they try to stand it up because the crowd wants to see action. That's what they pay for, and they want to see two guys. You know, our society is sick. They want to see a guy (laughs) get his head caved in. They want to see his leg dismantled and bloodied and you name it. It's just, you know, they want modern-day gladiators. Kaboom, kaboom. know They want to see their girlfriend jump up and, you know, on the cage and be a modern-day hero. That's what they want. They want action.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're definitely one of the
0: gladiators.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, you know what? You're, 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 it's amazing, and we're we're so honored
0: to talk to you, Rick. Thank you, thank you. Well, did you guys uh, interview Ken Shamrock?
1: Yeah, we actually talked to Ken Shamrock a few days ago. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's uh, he's fighting against that Quinn, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Looking at right around right now, uh, maybe
2: around May, May? May, yeah. May or something, May 26th. I think he said. He didn't he have know? a date. Did they he said
0: finally- it, uh, did they finally give him a date in a mm-hmm. venue? Or uh, I I had heard there's no date or venue.
1: No, he didn't have that locked down yet. But um, he did say right now they're shooting for May. So that would be pretty mm-hmm. interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, he said he's doing a
2: documentary, a video documentary on his training for this fight. You know, cause he said, he, you know, the thing was he wanted to be on the uh, groundbreaking, you know, fights and stuff of this uh, new, uh, you know, uh, fighting system that's coming out. Just like he was with UFC and all.
0: Uh, and he feels that it's going to be the new thing.
2: Yeah, yes, he does. I mean, he's he's right
0: behind, and he's ready to go, baby. Knowing how how tough the commissions are, I just I, I even when they had done uh, one in Arizona, um, they did they didn't commission. I mean, it was they they got heat. That's why they've done another. They've never done another one there. I mean, they the feds the feds were involved and in everything. It was it was. It was bad. It yeah. Was, they could know, go
2: down to Tijuana though. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so what? The- I don't know. It's just, uh, you know, maybe they may have to modify it and you have to wear MMA gloves. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, but I just don't see them allowing bare knuckle boxing because that was the biggest thing back in the day sure. was that the UFC came in completely Change the rules so they could get back on TV. I mean, they took it off the air because it was so barbaric back in the early nineties and in the mid nineties. Right around UFC came on around 94, 95 when I fought Terrio. and that, and after that they took it off the air because it was just too barbaric. Yeah, I'm not I'm not bad about that. I'm not saying anything bad. I just I don't know how it will get on television like that. I mean, that's all I'm yeah, saying. No, right? it'll, it'll be pay-per-view. it would
2: have to yeah. be pay-per-view and rated, uh, you know. You'd have to be. The commission yeah, is
0: just, you know, they're tough. I mean, you know, the UFC this week has had a rough, rough, rough week. I mean, when you have both your main event fighters pop for hot. you know, I mean. <laughs> what did they do? I don't know. Um, oh. You know, Anderson Silva got popped for steroids, two different ones, and Nick Diaz got popped for weed. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: Well, I don't think the weed helped his fighting like the steroids
1: helped uh, the other guy. I don't guy. know. Yeah, Nick's always getting... But here's
0: me- the funny thing. I've read a story online, and he said he he managed to get to Vegas and piss clean after his, his level of the marijuana was off the chart, like double <laughs> of what the limit is supposed to be. So that must tell you, he must have just smoked... All the way until the fight. Yeah, I heard yeah. before that
1: he smokes right before the fight and it it relaxes him and everybody, you know, would say, well, it must slow you down. But he, uh, you know, it doesn't slow him down. It really, like, maybe it helps his ground game and I'm not sure what it, it might does. It really helps him. his focus, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So. They, they,
0: they also said they turned the fight into a no contest now and both of them are getting 30%, uh, fine. Wow. You know, it's going to be interesting because Dana said he's standing behind him, and, uh, uh, behind Anderson, and he's going to fight Shogun. But I don't know. I mean, if if Anderson doesn't get banned for a year, you're going to have some serious, serious people. Going off.
1: Yeah. I
2: mean, yeah. I mean, you can't do steroids, I mean, man, before a fight. I mean, are, are you not so, you shouldn't do them anyway if you're a professional fighter. I mean,
0: it's all supposed to be natural. And plus, you know, I mean, look what happened a month before you. I got Jones got popped up with cocaine. <laughs> so you're having two names that are synonymous in the sport, a world champion, John Jones and Anderson Silva. Jones got nothing, went to a rehab one night, checked in, checked out. I mean, I don't know. And it's double standard. If they yeah. don't do something, I mean, I think Anderson's a great fighter. You know, I mean, if you get popped, you get popped and you got to pay the consequence. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah, you can't treat people know. differently. I, mean, I saw some with Shal and too. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're going to do it, you got to do the time. I would think that if he gets popped or he did get popped and they suspend him a year, that probably will be the end of Anderson.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised. He has already,
0: which we can't believe, because uh, you never know what comes out of Nick's mouth on that <laughs> given moment, but he already said he retired.
1: So. Oh, yeah, he retired last time with Pierre.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah.
0: That's what I mean. You don't know if it's for real or, you know, he just said that he's done. So
1: Yeah, he's, uh, he's definitely the king of the trash talking, man. <laughs> oh,
0: <yeah.
1: laughs> you never know what to believe uh, with him. Yeah, that is. he is. So.
0: You know, if I if I get to play with Kimbo, guys, I'd love to do another uh, podcast with you and uh, you know answer any questions. I'm not. I, I'm. There's two guys in the sport I'm not very fond of. One is Kimball, and another is Bob Sapp. I both think they're <laughs> gimmicks and they were toys. And for all the guys in tie boxing, kickboxing that have suffered, that have made blood, sweat, and tears. These guys come along and somehow, some way, make more money than the guys that they their dudes. I just have a real problem with that. It's the showman side, I I
2: mean, showmanship. Yeah, well, okay. Well,
0: Slice hey, has not but anyone, anyone of any stature.
2: What we're trying to do, uh, uh, Rick, is when you got any time, you got uh, when you got something new coming up, you can contact our website and everything, or contact
1: us uh, right back on. You the got phone. our number, yeah. You hey. know. Hey, I was, I'm kind of interested, though, like, uh, so what does it look like sponsoring somebody like yourself on a fight like that? Is that, what's that like?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, that's attainable. I mean, it can, but, you know, when you're on Spike Television, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. That's that's prime time spot there.
1: You have any idea what something like that, the ranges are for different fights and things like that? For, like wearing, a, like, wearing a shirt or something like that?
0: Yeah, they're paying up to about 50K on that. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Oh. 25,000, 50K. Yeah, that's a lot of money. You're in primetime spot on prime telos. Dang.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, you we knew it wasn't cheap, but no. we, we just don't, you know, we don't really have no know idea. What, yeah, we don't have yeah. any idea. We're just trying to branch out into other things, but you know, cause we love the fight game so much. Yeah. Maybe uh-huh. we're going to have to go with the other, our other thing, the comedians and have <laughs> <laughs> cause they, they do it for free, man. Yeah.
0: No, but I, I don't know. I mean, that's what I heard. I don't know. I mean, we could talk and. I don't know. That's what I had heard. So that's yeah. what they're up to. And, you know, it's going to be interesting what happens, uh, because, you know, they put that new deal in effect with, uh, <laughs> UFC, um, Reebok, and now all these other sponsors are out. Everyone's out. Yeah. Uh, no more sponsors will be allowed. So I wonder if they're all going to move to Bellator or what they're going to do. I mean, you're talking about some of these fighters that wear the names. Are getting in the upwards of 10, 20, 30, 100 grand a month. Do you realize that?
1: Yeah, they deserve it. A lot of them. And they're yeah, fighting I mean, for a living. Do
0: you know that you're thrown for these guys that sponsor getting monthly checks weekly? I mean, we're talking 10, 20 grand a month. Wow. a month. It's crazy. Damn. I, yeah.
2: <laughs> I'd like to make that a year. <laughs> and,
0: then, and then they. They just cut them. I mean, you just cut into all the oh. fighters. Yeah, you know, money. I you mean, better
1: be saving. It's going to
0: be interesting because you have, what, six? My buddy and I figured out this morning, I think you have, uh, how many weight classes? Six? Alright, you have six weight classes. All right? so you got one through ten, uh, in each weight class. So that's, uh, about 360 fighters. How Reebok is going to, bring that money down to all those weight costs i mean you already you already have your main fighters i mean misha tate right. they announced signed a big lucrative deal john jones anthony pettis i mean it's going to be interesting because it's i mean you know there's already an antitrust lawsuit going on there's two actually now against the ufc
1: oh wow yeah no idea yeah hey man uh uh, wanna thank you again. And man, we'd love okay. to talk to you again. And thank you very much. Like Stop I said, I, I grew up watching okay. you, man. It was a privilege. No
0: problem. My pleasure. If you guys ever need anything and, uh, you need somebody to fill in or you need, uh, questions, don't hesitate to call. You got it, man.
1: Hey, thank Rick, you very much. Appreciate it, Rick. You're a legend, baby. are a right. legend. You're the best. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Take care. All
1: right. That was some cool shit. Rick the Jack Rufus coming on here talking about his, uh, um, talking about his kickboxing career and his life and how he got started fighting. That was a really good show. Can't wait to hear the projects he's got coming in the future and have him on again. Money Mike, tell him what's up next for Straight Hustling. Boy, Straight
2: Hustling has, has given you a chance to win two tickets. Two tickets to paradise, baby. We got Eddie Money in the house. I can't believe it. We're all excited. And we got, uh, this funny ass guy, uh, Redbone. He's on the comedy tour. He's tearing it down. And believe it or not, Steve Mudflap McGrew. He's a badass comedian on tour
1: himself. We don't really have any tickets because we're broke, but you can listen to the show when he comes on it.
2: Yeah, and that's your ticket to paradise right there because uh, we are paradise. We're kicking ass, taking names. And uh with all our information on the website where you guys are getting a hold of us, there's stew with all that for you, baby. Stu.
3: Yes, be sure y'all check us out on StraightHustle.com. wwwstr 8 Uh Be sure that you subscribe to all of our social media. Uh, hit us on Facebook, Twitter, and as always, we have a comment section on StraightHustling.com. Leave your comments and titty shots. But uh, we'll yeah. get back to him and try to ask some questions that y'all want us to ask uh, whenever people come on. And uh, thanks a lot for downloading us on iTunes. Uh, we have been noted one of the new and noteworthy podcasts. Also, check us out on Stitcher
1: if you're an Android person. Money Mike's getting ready to put his own titty shot out there on the website for you. So, Just my left nipple. Want to thank you again for listening. You ain't hustling, you ain't living. We're out. We're later.